0: It's uh, scary to be here, so um, please be gentle. I don't know if you, at the beginning, when the kind of notices scroll through um, early doors in the service, if you're knocking around, there's a phone number you can uh, text if you like. It's just there on the screen. Uh, we, as a church, believe that preaching is really important. That's why we don't have like a Bible discussion on a Sunday afternoon, but um, but we don't want you to just think that somebody can preach and then you can like. Walk out and not ask questions if you're confused or if you disagree and you want somebody to explain something more, or if you just want to ask anything. Um, so let me encourage you to, like, even if you've got your phone now, you know, put the number in if you want to ask questions today. Um, just text to that number. It's, uh, you know, if you've got free texts, it's free. Uh, if you haven't, then you've got to pay whatever your network carrier charges you for texts. So um sorry about that. So um, today we're looking at the next part of Matthew's gospel, but we want to start with a short video clip. Please. So I don't know if, you've, uh, if you're kind of familiar with the Lord of the Rings uh, and the kind of you know Tolkien stuff that's uh, has happened, um, but that's part of one of the films. Um, I, I, you know, I really, really like it. He was, um, yeah, I think he's done a great job with those. And, and I'm not a big reader of books, so uh, films are just basically ways of reading books without having to read them. So do a. Uh, do enjoy The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and all that if you want to. But, um, but that guy at the end there who said, my precious, he's a, he's a character who ends up being called Gollum. And um, his character, he just starts out as this friendly, kind of fun-loving, ordinary hobbit. You know, small people with like fairy feet. Um, and then one day he kind of stumbles across this thing with his friend. Uh, and it becomes his precious. And you saw him in the clip that he killed to get it. And he starts to protect it. Uh, And gradually this ring, this precious thing to him, becomes absolutely everything for him. He uh, he separates himself from everyone. He he ends up living underground alone, protecting his treasure, his little precious. He ends up being a shadow of his former self. There he is. A shadow of his former self. Um, Similar to what many of us look like in the morning. Uh, And at the end of the trilogy... Gollum's treasure is, I don't want to like spoil it for you, but, um, but I will. So Gollum's treasure is, it's to be destroyed by throwing it into like the heart of a volcano and, it, and just melting it away so it's, it's got rid of. Um, and in the process, the hero of the story, a guy called Frodo and his friends take this precious thing and they, they try and cast it into the fire, but Gollum tries to stop them. Uh, and he bites off Frodo's finger in the process, but he ends up, for Golem, he ends up joining his precious ring, melting in the fire. Its precious took his life from him, uh, both when he was alive, because he ended up like this, just living all on his own, and ultimately it took, took his life from him as he died trying to save it. But what I want to think about is, uh, you know, whatever our precious is, it will demand our life from us. So we need to be sure that we're living our lives for things that will ultimately be worth it, something that will help us to live full lives Lives. Not something that will demand our lives from us, like the ring did for Gollum. As I kind of look out into the world, I don't know if you'd agree with me, but I feel like I can see at times an underlying dissatisfaction in some people, both inside and outside the church, Uh, and in myself, to be honest with you. More often than not, I think. I think as a culture, we've got more stuff now than we have ever had in history, Um, but we we want more, really, now uh, than at any time in history. Our desires are not being satisfied by like gathering up their belongings that, that we've got. But even though we kind of realize that as we get something and it doesn't satisfy us, we think, oh, I'll just try and get some more. And that kind of cycle just perpetuates. And we end up with loads of stuff and not being very happy. Advertisers know this, don't they? Advertisers are like, they just love that. Because that means that, that they can create an atmosphere of desire kind of within us that, that makes us want to go out and buy new things that they are, they're selling. Because, you know, they're in the business of flogging new stuff that... You most of the time, don't need things like you know new clothes. You know, fashion has changed to make you buy those. You always need a new car if you watch the telly. Um, you can move house because that's good for you, uh, which is awkward, isn't it? Because we're doing that shortly. Uh, you can get new furniture from DFS or other furniture places. Gadgets, toys, you can get fancy food from m Their adverts are brilliant. I wasn't that, um, but yeah, maybe that's an issue for me. And uh, you, know, you can get loans off the telly. basically you can get everything you want. Um, and we can at times believe that a new something will bring us that happiness that we would really like. It would be like having a new precious of our very own. But for some people, the like material things won't necessarily be the things that are effective. But it might be like other stuff that their, their heart desires. You know, it could be a, a people to think that they've got a good family, or that they've got a good education, or that they have got real pride in their work. Um, It might be the the amount of money that they own. It might be that they get to go on really nice holidays. It might be their commitment to a particular sports team. It could be the commitment they have and the money they spend on their hobbies. It could be the the hours they plow into their business interests. It could even be their pets. It could be their personal reputation. It could be sex. It could even be church ministry involvement. Some of these things might be the things that for you get your juices flowing. Um, And some of those things are things and have been things that I've really desired. So what is it that excites us? What is it that motivates us? What causes us to get out of, the bed, in, out of bed in the morning? Whatever that is, that could be what we love most. It's, uh, and some of those things can become our precious. So think about what those things are for you in your life. You know, what are those really precious things, uh, if you can? Uh, think about the idea of, that our precious things demand things from us. And think about what you might be willing to give up to protect and keep them. That's sort of by way of introduction. Let's, um, let's pray, and then we'll read uh, the next bit of the Sermon on the Mount. Father, we, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we can come here, that we can sit together. We can be people from all over the world. Uh, we can be people who otherwise would have nothing in common. But Father, we thank you for Jesus, who brings us together, who uh, gives us a new life, who gives us real joy. Who creates us into a family of misfits. Father, thank you that you love us and you want us to, to be more like him so that we can bring you more glory and be people who live more and more full, real lives. I pray that you'd help us to understand some of that today and help us to become people who want to be more like Jesus. Amen. If you've got one of the church Bibles, we're going to read the next bit of the Sermon on the Mount. It's from chapter 6. Uh, and it is on page probably 971. It's right at the top of the page in the, the one I've got. Uh, so it could be just on the next page if you've got, twenty which version you've got. So we're going to read from chapter 6, verses 19 to 22. Um, so I'll just give you a second to find that. Okay. So Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Great, so that's our section for today. If you're, um, if you're regularly here with us, you'll know that we're on a journey through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it's a really, really famous section of the Bible, and it's kind of Jesus' core teaching. It's Jesus' real message of what he wants his kingdom to be like. So in this section of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus moves on from the previous section, uh, because that's kind of what you do when you're moving on. You move on from what's gone before. And we've been in there for the last few weeks, and Jesus, in the last few weeks, uh, as we've been listening to these these sermons, uh, Jesus has been concerned more with the personal and private lives of his followers. So the last couple of weeks we've been looking at the idea of giving fasting, and praying, and those are things that Jesus expects his followers, his disciples, to be up to in private. They're things he wants us to be doing when we're on our own, when no one can see. So we've talked about that a fair bit over the last few weeks. This bit, I think, is a little different, and Jesus moves on here to give us some direction of how he expects his followers to be people who live in the real world, uh, whilst being observed and seen by normal people. Not that these, not that he's trying to help us with things to impress people, uh, but these are just, Jesus just knows what it is like to live a normal life. Because he experienced a, a normal life like you and me. He experienced life with, with people who loved him, people who hated him, people who wanted stuff from him, people whom he intrigued, uh, people who wanted to hide from him, and people who wanted to get on by befriending him. I think that's a fairly normal life for a lot of us. And we, you know, we fall into those categories with other people that we, that we know. Jesus knows what it is to live a normal human life. And sometimes I think it's, uh, it's quite easy for us to forget that. And Jesus wants us to know that he's walked in our shoes, so he knows how it feels. Um, well, maybe slightly more like my shoes than your shoes, but it uh, depends what you wear. He wants, us to know how that, he wants us to know that he knows how that feels. He also does not want his followers to be isolated, people and like, hiding from the rest of society, I don't think that Jesus ever wanted any of his followers to be uh, hermits or recluses and like, end up like Gollum did, as we saw a minute ago. There we go. Uh, so, in this section, Jesus talks a lot about treasures, and he talks about the treasures of our hearts. So this is where we're going to kind of camp out of there this afternoon. And he doesn't really... I think he doesn't pull his punches. He doesn't kind of take a, a soft approach with this. He just kind of goes straight for the throat. Um, Jesus makes it pretty clear we can either focus on storing up heavenly treasure or earthly treasure. There are kind of two options. And the reason I think he makes it pretty clear that it's one or the other, not kind of 50-50, 60-40, 70-30, is that Jesus says that um, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So wherever your heart is, there your treasure will be also, which means it can't be in two places at once. It's got to be in one place or the other. So Jesus wants us to know that we're we, like He wants us to kind of see what we're doing and make a decision and act accordingly. Um, so we're, gonna, we're all going to be storing up treasure. All of that's kind of, the, in some ways, the way that we live. We just kind of store stuff up and, and enjoy that. But J- Jesus says we'll either do it on earth or in heaven. He, but we're all storing up treasure somehow. He makes it a black and white issue. So uh, And just for the sake of clarity, when Jesus talks about uh, earthly treasure and talking about the earth, uh, he wants... I think he's talking there about the idea that things are temporary, you know, things that will ultimately be brought to nothing. Um, and when he talks of heavenly things, he's talking about stuff that is in line with God's kingdom, things that are you know, the way that Jesus wants his people to live, uh, things that will have value that lasts forever. So I want you to see that you can be so heavenly minded that you are of immeasurable worth on earth. So let's see what... Uh, what these treasures are. So the first one is earthly treasures. And I want to kind of split this up into two bits. So I can't quite remember what I've done on the slides now. Yeah, there we go. So look at the what's first. So what is an earthly treasure? What is it that Jesus is talking about? I don't know if you know this, but if you survey all Jesus' teachings in the New Testament and you like put them into a graph or spreadsheet or whatever you want to do to see what they focus on most, Jesus' teachings. Well, here's a question for you. What do you reckon comes number one in the topic of Jesus' teachings if you survey the New Testament? Any ideas? Pardon? Money is number one. Uh, any idea on the other kind of top few? Uh, loving each other. Loving each other is up there. Love is up there. It's a big thing. The kingdom of heaven is a massive deal for Jesus and heaven and hell is a massive deal and the other one that is up there in the kind of top four or five is sex so they're the top things Jesus talks about Um, but yeah, the most common is money it's not, number one is not heaven or hell it's not justification by faith that we absolutely love it's not evangelism that we spend a lot of time talking about as a church it's not the way you structure your church it's not about music, it's not about kids work it's none of these things Jesus spends the largest amount of his teaching talking about money but I think as a church, in general, we talk quite little about money. I know we talked about giving the other week, but in general, we don't talk an awful lot about it. We maybe think that people will be put off if we start talking about you know, what's in your wallet and what you should do with that. And it's kind of a high-risk strategy, isn't it? It might work, and it might really pay off. Uh, or it might not work, and it might really not pay off. Um, but I think, in general, there's a reason that money is that kind of high-risk place for us to go to, because... For me included, money can so easily become an idol for us. Uh, And we don't like it when people start going around poking at our idols because we get really protective over them. So, first and most obviously then, uh, earthly treasure can include money. Um, I know we live in South Yorkshire, one of the more deprived areas of the UK. Sort of fairly low uh, employment levels, low wages, traditionally quite manual jobs, um, high levels of people living from week to week on, on benefits. But Jesus' words here about money are equally important and in some ways harder for us if you haven't got much. If you're here today and you're a millionaire, um, or if you're here today and you haven't got two beans to rub together, Jesus' command to you both is exactly the same. He says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. I think sometimes if we're poorer, we, um, we have the attitude that we almost look down our noses at the rich people because we think that the rich people look down their noses at, at the poor people. So we kind of try and you know, return the compliment um, before they've even given it. Um, but it's, it's just a slightly strange one, isn't it, that? And Jesus hasn't got an issue with money. Like, he's not, he's not having a go at money itself. He doesn't have an issue with money. He doesn't have an issue, I don't think, with people who have nice houses, nice things, nice cars, uh, multinational businesses or expensive tastes. Jesus interacts with all these people in the Bible, and even further into the New Testament, as you go through the story of the early church, uh, early Christians who were wealthy were instrumental in like, helping the spread of the gospel because they would put people up and look after them as, like, as evangelists came to town. Where Jesus seems to start having a problem, I think, in this passage, is, uh, with, with money, is when he starts, because uh, he starts by saying, don't store up for, your, for ourselves A big pile of it. He's saying the issue for Jesus with money is he doesn't want us to store up for ourselves a massive pile of whatever it is that we treasure. And often it's money. It's not about like rainy day savings. I think, you know, prudent financial planning is uh, something that Jesus, you know, thinks is a good idea. But just storing up for yourself a massive pile of cash is not quite the same. Um, And it's not about working hard for a promotion at work and a pay rise. And it's not about going to the government and asking for uh, an increase in your benefits if you deserve them. Here Jesus has a problem with the selfish amassing of money. His words are chosen carefully. Do not store up for yourselves. And I think Jesus' focus here is on the motives. So why why are we storing it up? That's the question I want to ask. It's, uh, It's not for our family or for others or for good but for me. So what Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on it. He's going after the, like, the heart of the matter. He's going after the, the me storing it up for me, looking after number one. But we'll come back to money in just a minute. Other things that can be our treasures for us on earth too. Um, what else have we got? Culturally, we place a lot of value on our families and we can want them to be really perfect and not show any sign that we struggle or so we suffer on our own if that's the case. This can be a way of treasuring our reputation even too highly, um, that we put on a show for others so we, we can always say that we're fine. Um, and we never, need to, we never struggle with things. But that's only something that we do for ourselves because Jesus values truth and honesty and open relationships. Uh, we can treasure work above all things. You know, we can even sacrifice our family at the expense of our work. Um, uh, the, de- like, the demand more and more, we just need to... Uh, we th- we kind of think we can justify wanting to work more and earn more by saying, you know, I'll be able to save more or I'll I'll be more satisfied by the promotion or the money could be really useful. I could, uh, I could, you know, help, like, family and friends or I could even increase my giving to church. But for others, it could be things that we treasure. It could be our hobbies um, that demand more and more of our time and money. Um, some of you know that I've, at, at times, been really quite like, keen on doing archery um, and... If I was to tell you the cost of archery equipment, you would not genuinely believe it. Um, And it's one of the reasons that I don't buy so much of it anymore is um, because I can't afford it. But, uh, well, uh, I've got a bow made of lots of different bits, and there are two bits that do the, like, flicking the string bit. So when you say it like that, it really sounds a bit silly. But that's basically There are two bits at the end that flick the string. And... um, they 're made of like a, a carbon epoxy like thing, and they 've got a foam compound in the middle and it 's ceramic, and it 's like oh, all these great things, but uh, when you pick them up they 're like this big, and I put them in a little like cloth sleeve to keep them safe and um, I think when I bought them, they cost something like four hundred and sixty pounds uh, i wasn 't married at that point, <laughs> but, you know our belongings can be our treasures, can 't they uh, well to be honest with you, the rest of it uh, Cost plenty anyway, so um, uh, that's bad, bad advice, isn't it? If you're saying that on tape, because people will then listen to it online and think, "Ah, I know what to steal now if I can break in." Um, but yeah, there we go. Our belongings can be our treasures, can't they? And we devote kind of time and energy to them. Um, you know, sometimes, if like if we get on a bike ride, people may then spend hours gently cleaning their bike to make sure it's all pristine. I was talking to a guy the other day who says, whenever he goes out on his bike, he he brings it in and he brings it in and he's hot, soapy water, rags, and just makes sure it's all perfect. Um, that's not me, mine's got mud on it, so that's all right. So, anyway, um, so let me just say that, you know, even when we're talking about money, I've got some money. I kind of know what it's like to have some money, not loads. And I've got some belongings, probably like way too many. And I said, we're in the process of looking at moving house. Um, and because we've been in a really fortunate position recently of being one of the few like areas in Rotherham where your bin is collected every week. Um, you know, the actual rubbish bin, not just the bin and then recycling. We've been trying to put stuff from our basement into the bin to get rid of it. Uh, and we have just so much stuff. And that's just me hoarding it, basically. You know, I've definitely got too many things. I've got hobbies as well that take up time, energy, and money. Um, And those things, like, in and of themselves, they're not wrong. And I'm not saying that we should all suddenly get rid of everything we have, throw it in a bin, and, like, live on the streets for Jesus. Um, What I'm saying is, the question I kind of want to ask is, what do you think about those things that you have? And how do those things make you feel? If someone started to poke about with them, how would you respond? If they were taken away from you, what would you have left? I think that is what Jesus wants us to check over in ourselves. I think it's difficult, isn't it? But I want you to kind of be able to ask yourself: What is it that you are letting be your treasure? What is it that motivates you? What gets your juices flowing? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Okay, so those are some of the whats of earthly treasure. It could be money, family, job, stuff, or anything else. Um, but I want to ask another question about them now. This is the idea of the, the why behind the what. Uh, the idea of the, the issue that causes whatever it is that we do. So we all do stuff, but we don't always recognize what's going on behind the scenes that's making us do that. Uh, Sometimes we can recognize it, sometimes we don't. Sometimes only Jesus knows what's going on. So, the why's behind the what's. And I think there are three primary kind of motivators that cause us to try and store up for ourselves, treasure on earth. Um, And there'll be more than that, but these are three that I've kind of picked because I'm aware of falling for them myself. So the first one is the idea of security. Sometimes we think that the more money, the more friends, the more stuff that I can pile around me, the more safe and secure I will be. If I've got a house, a car, a job, uh, an income of some sort, some kind of social network, uh, some kind of church network, whatever it is, I can begin to believe that those things are bringing me security. But what is Jesus' response to these things? Jesus says very simply in the passage that these things—that moth and rust can destroy them, or that thieves can break in and steal them—and you know, you might have got a burglar alarm, but I don't, you know, I don't really think they're a great deal of use because as I was growing up, uh, we had an elderly na- neighbour next door. Her house kind of was—I could kind of see from my bedroom window—and occasionally her burglar alarm would go off during the night or any time, and. I never did anything about it. So I I think burglar alarms are just an excellent kind of waste of money. But, you know, maybe you don't. But for her, they're no good because none of us left the house to check that she was all right. She wasn't being robbed or anything like that. Um, Same with car alarms. You walk past them and you think, well, it's just annoying, isn't it? Um, So, yeah. So when it comes to security, I think we can can see that that storing treasure up for ourselves doesn't make us more secure. It can just make us more fearful that somebody might want to come in and take that stuff away. Um, And I think we sometimes try and silence that fear by just buying more junk. The second one of these whys is identity. We all want to belong to something bigger than ourselves, something that we can kind of hang our identity on, something that we can say, I am this, like whatever it is. So it could be our job. We could say, I'm a policeman, a teacher, a doctor, I'm a pub landlord, whatever it is, all noble professions. Uh, I could be, you know, it could be our financial position. We might like identify ourselves as I am a millionaire or I am skint. You know, either stand in awe of me or pity me. Uh, It could be our ability or our disability. You could be a great athlete or a great chef or a great artist. Or you could define yourself by saying, I can't do certain things because I'm disabled. Whatever it is, that's a way of trying to give ourselves an identity. but the issue with that, I think, is that that is something that can change in an instant. You, know, you, you could lose your job. You could lose your family. You could lose all your money. You could, um, your skill, you know, you could lose your skills in, in some way. Or, or even some people get healed from their disabilities. The question that follows that is then, who will you be then if that happens? The thing you used to hang your identity on has gone. So that was the second one. So we've had uh, security, identity, and number three, Is power. I think we can sometimes try to store up for ourselves treasures on earth to give ourselves power and that feeling of power over other people. I think we can believe that stuff gives us leverage. Um, It gives us the right to even consider our opinion more important uh, than others. And sometimes it will be, but mostly it won't. You might be sat there as someone who doesn't believe that Jesus is worth living for. But then just think about this. You and me... Are living on like a bald rock that is flying through space around another big ball of fire and someday you and I are going to fall off it none of these things, no treasure no putting our identity and trying to like save ourselves with security or trying to build ourselves up a kind of power base are going to stop that one day we're going to fall off this earth so those things aren't going to help but there is something it will and we'll get on to that so, if you're still with me and you're not thoroughly depressed, uh, let's see what Jesus says we can do instead of that. That's oh, good heavenly treasure. Jesus says, "But store up for yourself treasure in heaven." Now, this phrase is one that has caused me a lot of kind of um, a lot of difficulty, really, this week. Um, when I was asked to to kind of take part in the series, I was they kind of say, "This is like the one that you know, we want you to do." I thought, oh, that's good, because I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't really know what store up your treasure in heaven means. Um, and I thought that would be like helpful for me to read about it, to study it a little bit, and to try and really get my teeth into it um, so I could like, get my head around it and then could tell you about it. Um, unfortunately for me, and for you, a lot of the commentaries didn't really give me a very clear answer. Uh, we met earlier on in the week with a couple of people to, to ask, and they asked me this question directly, what are treasures in heaven? And I sort of mumbled a little bit. Um, so hopefully we'll find out now what Jesus is really talking about when he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So firstly, the thing we can say about them is that Jesus says that treasures in heaven are incorruptible. Uh, Jesus says heaven is a safe place where thieves don't break in and steal, where rust and, and moth won't destroy stuff. This means that whatever treasure we can lay up in heaven we know that we'll be able to enjoy it. It doesn't come with the uncertainty of pensions, like we've been hearing about in the news, or stocks and shares that go up and down, or banks that are not always the safest place in the world, or even things like the lottery, where it always seems to take more money than it ever gives. Treasure in heaven is a forever investment. It's an investment that will be paying you back in 100 years, 200 years, 5,000 years from now. So what are they? And... How can we store them up? There. Well, here's what they aren't anyway. Here's another thing that they aren't. Uh, they're not a bargaining chip with Jesus. They're not a way we can try and earn our way into heaven. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a person who follows Jesus, you cannot store up treasure in heaven. It's a privilege that Jesus gives to his followers. I don't know about you, but I'm with the, uh, the Nationwide Building Society. Every now and then I get offered customer rewards because I'm already a customer. If you're already a follower of Jesus, you can store up treasure in heaven. If you aren't a follower of Jesus, you can't. But what are they? That's a few things that they aren't. I think you've probably waited patiently for long enough. Uh, Treasures in heaven are stored up when followers of Jesus do anything on earth that's effects last for eternity that are in line with God's kingdom. So what sort of thing could that be? And this isn't a list of stuff that you should go off and try and do all these things this week to store up treasure in heaven. These are just things that, that I think that, that Jesus is talking about when he says store up treasure in heaven. Things that we can kind of try and work on over our, like our whole life's work. So that the main one really, I think, is to develop our character to be more like Jesus. All we can take with us to the new heavens and the new earth is ourselves. So we can spend time working on who we are. That's something that will last forever. The Bible tells us that, that Jesus gets his whole being from God the Father. Not that Jesus is less than God the Father, um, but that they kind of proceed from each other. Uh, this, for Jesus, overpowers all the wise behind the, the, like the reason for storing up traces on earth. If God the Father, the everlasting one, the one who begets you, is uh, then but if he's that one for you, then you are eternally secure. God the Father has the ultimate position in the universe. He's God of the universe, whether you like it or not. He doesn't get elected. He doesn't achieve being God of the universe by conquering the person who was previously God of the universe. But he he is God of the universe. He created it, he owns it, he runs it, he sustains it, and it's all his. And if he is the one who's the source of your being, like he is for Jesus, how much more secure can you possibly be The the banks can collapse. Your landlord can kick you out of your house. You could suffer all sorts of problems. And these would all hurt and they'd all cause you distress, but none of them could destroy you because you were ultimately secure in God the Father. And I think that that is the desire of any father's heart, isn't it? That his children will be safe and secure. God the Father delights to know you as his children, followers of Jesus, and that you're safe in him because of it when it comes to our identity it has that reason trumped as well if we're God's children if we can see ourselves as children of the greatest, most loving, most caring most creative person we can let our identity be changed it can become and I can say I am a child of God that is who I am before anything else before my job, before my family role before anything I can do, anything I can't do before my nationality, my gender and all these things But why is that important for us? It's important for us because all those things can be taken away from us by circumstance and misfortune, but God can't be taken away from us. So thirdly, in becoming more like Jesus in our character, we receive more power than we could ever imagine. Storing up treasure to gain power uh, has nothing on the power of God. The Bible promises us the power of the Holy Spirit if we're God's children, the followers of Jesus. This is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the power that turns us from being spiritually dead and blind to being spiritually alive and seeing with Jesus. God also gives gives gifts to his people to be able to do what he wants in this world. This is the power of God at work in our lives. So, storing up treasure in heaven is the greatest life that we could ever imagine. And I don't think it stops there either, uh, from just becoming more like Jesus. But we will also increase in faith, in hope, and in love. The Bible says that those things are things that last forever as well. And nothing really but good can come from those things. So they must be things that Jesus is pleased with. We can grow in our understanding and knowledge of Jesus because um, we'll be with him forever, so knowing who he is will be a pretty good thing. We'll increase in actively being involved with, uh, with Jesus and his work in the world here and now. We'll be trying to introduce people to Jesus by action and by prayer so that they too might become a follower of Jesus and store it for themselves, treasure in heaven. We can be freed from the overpowering love of, of money, you know, whether we're filthy rich or completely skint, to use our resources for Jesus' work, given to the work of the church, uh, to people who are seeking to share Jesus with people in other places, to aid work, showing people that Jesus' kingdom is a place where the broken are made whole, where the unloved find love and where the lost are found, where the blind can receive sight and where all are welcomed because they are the best, uh, welcome to become the best they can be. These are are activities that are temporary. They'll only be going on while we're on earth. But there are, there are ways that we can use our time and our resources that have eternal consequences, that will be storing up treasure in heaven. Louise read to us from a passage in Mark to, with the, the rich young ruler. And he's a clear example of a guy who stored up treasure on earth. When Jesus told him that he couldn't get eternal life if he loved his possessions more than God by challenging him to go and like give it all up, give his, give his precious away, he went away from Jesus sad. His wealth was more important to him thank God. His wealth had had literally become his God to him. So this is a question that I kind of want to finish with. Why bother getting on board with Jesus at all? I want you to think back to the beginning when we saw our picture of Gollum uh, and that idea that we have a precious that will ultimately demand our life from us. Whatever it is, it will want us to sacrifice to it or for it, or both. Well, why why should we get on board with Jesus? Why should now, will he not just become another precious to us, competing for our attention and our time? I don't think so. I think it's a bit different with Jesus. Firstly, Jesus frees us from the need to try and build for ourselves security, identity and power. He gives them all to us in bucket loans. But more importantly, rather than just making Jesus our precious and making him the person that we live for, unlike with other things like money or job or anything that we make our precious otherwise, it will just sit there and we will do what we can for it and it will just sit there like a wooden or a stone idol. But if we make Jesus our precious, we can do that knowing that he has already made us his precious. If you remember I said that your precious will ask you to die for it, and we're as you know fallen human beings, people who just live on earth, we're all in a position that we need a perfect man to die for us and take our place. Jesus makes us, he makes you and me, his precious. And he says that I want to die for them. He's not forced into it, but he wants to die for us. When Jesus went to the cross, the Bible tells us that he went to the cross for the joy set before him. And and that joy that was set before him was the idea that, that he would have the chance to free you and me from trying to secure ourselves give ourselves identity and give ourselves power but he then can go to the cross and he can give us those things he can give us a full life and he can give us an eternal life with him Jesus wants us to make him our precious not because it will trap us and control us but because it will free us into being the person that we could the best person that we could possibly be and not only that but like, unlike other things that are you know, solid and don't move, Jesus made us his precious first and died for us. So why get on board with Jesus? Jesus is the one who delights in us as we live for him. And he'll bring us safely into the, the new heavens and the new earth to live with him forever. No one else can offer us that, only Jesus. So let me encourage you, if you're not already, get on board with Jesus. And if you aren't storing up treasure in heaven, let me encourage you to start storing up treasure in heaven for your good and for Jesus' joy. Today's passage ends uh, in the Sermon on the Mount by saying you can only serve one of two masters. You'll always be a servant or a slave. So let me encourage you to choose Jesus as your master. Not one who stands above you and beats you and tells you what to do, but one who dies for you. He's the one who we can call our master, who can free us into a full life, free us to be able to be the people that he really wants us to be, the people that will enjoy life now and forever. Uh, hopefully that's helpful in understanding a bit more of what it means to store up treasure in heaven. Uh, I just want to suggest that we take like, just a... Few moments in quiet just thinking to ourselves you know what are the things that i really do live for and so often you know yeah we we live for things that are really temporary and just think yeah if if somebody was going to come and take that away from me what would be the thing that we would want to protect most jesus wants that to be him and um, and everything else will kind of organize itself around that so we'll just take a, a minute or so to, to think about that and then we'll respond by singing a final song together